Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch. I am so happy to be able to talk with Nikki Griffith today. She is, I'm trying to summarize in one word what Nikki is, and I think the only word I can think of is dynamo. Um, And a dynamo is someone who can do all things, it seems, equally well. Um, she is a an organizer. She is a sewist. She is a teacher. Um, she is an expert sewist. Um, and I am so glad to have her on the program today to talk about so many of the wonderful things that she is doing. And because I think there's a great lesson for all of us in Nikki's story and in all the work that she is continuing to do. So welcome, Nikki. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Lisa. Dynamo. Man, I don't have to live up to that, even in conversation. I mean, you already are. You are. That's why I said it. So um, let's talk a bit about, so we know Nikki, I, I was first introduced to Nikki through Atlanta Sewing Style on Instagram yeah. um, and this wonderful program that she has created. But I want to circle back, way back to the beginning, to talk a bit more about your sewing background. How did you get started? Um, how long have you been sewing? And what are some of the favorite things you like to sew? So in the begin- so let's talk, start with the very beginning. How did you learn to sew? And when did you know that you loved it? Okay. Granny taught me all the needles when I was eight. I used to spend summers with her, and she had an old Singer sewing machine, and the young woman up the street She, if I was eight, maybe she was 16, she was sewing and I would uh, go and look and she had a sewing machine set up in the middle of the living room. And just all summer, I kept begging granny, teach me how to sew, teach me how to sew. You have a sewing machine, don't you? (laughs) And she said hers was broken. She taught me all the needles over maybe two years, um, sewing, crochet, knitting and embroidery. And for a lot of years, crochet and sewing stuck. Then I picked up embroidery just a couple of years ago and I love, I love it. So I'm, that's how I got started. And I, you know, I went from taking my jeans apart, you know, in high school and putting them back together in skirts, taking my mom's old clothes. And this was all by hand. I, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It was all by hand. I kept asking for a sewing machine, but I knew we couldn't afford one. And then we left Ohio and moved to Atlanta. And that first Christmas, I got a sewing machine. I was 13. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So the seeds of Atlanta sewing style were planted when you were 13. Well, they were planted before that. They were planted when you were eight, but you weren't living in Atlanta at the time. Right. Um, and then you got you, you got it to Atlanta. You got a sewing machine. And it's kind of like the rest is history. So that's very impressive. Absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's been fun. Interestingly, right in the middle, I had a disabled son uh, 29 years ago. And 
it was a point where I was full-time seamstress. I had a gang of customers and it was, came a point when he got older that I had to stop because my yeah. husband said, okay, you can't do both because everyone knows who's listening to this knows um, how, you know, how demanding it is to have a customer base when you're a seamstress and you do alterations. So I stopped and I think I stopped for oh, 20 years or so. I always, even in my move, moving around, I always kept my machine with me. I had one machine and one serger and I had a small sewing kit. I gave away everything and I had those things and every now and then I pull it out. So with my son being as settled as he is 29, you know, 29 years old, when I came back to Atlanta five years ago, I looked for a house with a sewing room. That was my primary goal to, to get a house with a sewing room. And my family was like, you're going to sew again? I'm like, yeah, I sure am. That's amazing to me that you, like, in order to kind of concentrate on your family and to kind of meet some family needs, you said, okay, I'm not going to be able to do both because you weren't just sewing for pleasure when you were, what you, what you're speaking about earlier, you were sewing as a business. So you're right. I mean, that for, for folks who like myself, I don't have clients. I don't have customers. I do not want to be bothered. Um, (laughs) but I can only imagine that having, you know, the alterations and the fitting that this is, it's, it's time consuming work. It can be physically demanding. Um, all of the changes that need to happen, um, as you move a garment from one stage to the next, that that can be a lot to do in addition to a family situation that's also demanding. So I can't believe you gave away everything. You were just like, you know what, just all of it just set to go. Did you feel like you had to drop it all to avoid the temptation of sinking back into it? Well, yeah. And then, um, it didn't help that my husband was like looking at me, tapping his foot. Right. And <laughs> because I had to stay home with the baby, our, our baby was medically fragile as well. It's disabled. Mm. So I had to stay home and he knew how demanding it was because he knew how to cut patterns. He knew how to hem by hand. He knew wow. every process. <laughs> he knew how to help me roll out satin for prom dresses so he knew how the man in it was, and we just agreed. And and I, I did. I gave away everything, even the customers, because um, I worked for an alterations um, studio here in Atlanta, and I worked with a, an extremely masterful tailor. And I love it. The trade-off was I'll help your customers with their dresses if you teach me tailoring. And he did. And it was it was a great experience. But I'm glad I got all that before I stopped. And it it was just an amazing experience up until that point, but even more amazing when I started again, because like you were, you were teeing up in your intro, the things that have changed since then. Oh my God. I mean, and the fact that you had this basic foundational knowledge that was supplemented by tailoring knowledge, and then you took a pause And now it's been five years and you are back into the thick of things. You are sewing like nobody's business. Um, One of the, I'm going to ask you about one of your favorite projects, but before I do, I have to tell you what one of my favorite projects of of yours that you have made. And I have a friend and we were preparing to go to DC frock tails and there was some kind of blazer challenge. And (laughs) my friend wanted to make a blazer to wear to DC frock tails. And I was like, no, sis, this is (laughs) 
rocktails. This is not some like, you know, business expo. Why are you going to wear a blazer to rocktails? I'm going to pick at you my own self. What is going on? And then I saw your blazer that was made out of sequins. And I was like, okay, now I got to shut up um, because this is a badass blazer. <laughs> And and oh someone who made this could totally wear this to frocktails because it's gorgeous, um, and you really made me eat my words. Um, so that 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 blazer and did it also have pants? Was it a pantsuit as well? It was. It was. Oh my gosh! It is incredible. Oh my gosh! And I was like. The first thing I thought was, okay, now I have to go apologize to my friend and let her know that this is a possibility that you could wear a blazer as formal wear and it could be amazing. <laughs> and then the second thing I kept thinking was my poor eye, because I keep imagining like sewing those sequins and one of them hit the needle and fly off and hit me in the face. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about the, <laughs> the hazards of that project, but it turned out so beautifully. So that was that's one of my favorite sews um, that you have made. What's, what's one of yours? Um, you know, I do share that. I got so much response from that make. Um, I have, and it's not like I had never worked with sequins before. I had, I, but I had never really, like he, like you said, put my tailoring knowledge with, along with, you know, the bling, the fantasy of it all. So I knew I wanted to make something sequin because I, I had treated myself uh, to some fabric and I went to find fabric here in Atlanta and bought a bunch of sequins. So, okay, I don't know what I'm going to make, but I'm going to make something really fabulous. And I bought enough. And I just, I have a pant design that I make over and over again. And the pants were my first idea. And I made the pants. So I would love to wear, you know, some sequin pants. And after that, after I felt so at ease working with, with that particular sequin, I thought they were soft enough and it was fabulous enough. And it was December that I said, okay, this will be an amazing New Year's Eve outfit. And I knew I was going out. And um, so I decided to make the jacket. And yeah, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I love it. That is one of my favorites. And I think as a category, you will always find me making a coat. Hmm. There's always a coat on my, you know, in the, in the queue, there may be even one on the table that I go back to because I'm really slow sewing it, but, uh, you will always find me making a coat. I have a trench coat that I made in 1988, hmm. a gold pattern. And cause I worked at cloth world back then. All right. I remember cloth world from when my mother, from, um, cause I graduated from high school in 88 and I remember even before then when I was little, little, we had a cloth world. I'm from South Florida. We had a cloth world and boy, did I used to cut up when I used to go into that boring ass store. Let me tell you. Oh my gosh. It was tedium. Oh my gosh. Somebody poked me in the eye with a fork. This is the most boring thing a person could do to another person. My daughter will say the same thing. She says, I spent so much time in Cloth World. and But that's where, that's the only store that was around. And that was our community. That was our YouTube, mm. that was our social media. That was all we had. We had each mm -hmm. other when we came together at work. Right, right. right. 
Mm-hmm. That was, and then the eighties was when the the pattern companies started partnering with designers. You know, early, yeah. you know, this was during that time. So if you learn how to sew, you were cutting your teeth on Vogue patterns. Yes, right? yes. So I have a lot of uh, Vogue garments that I had made back then. Several of them still in my closet, but you know, little things. But I just love making coats. So that's another um, category that you'll you'll see me make. That's pretty fantastic because for me, I, I do a lot of outerwear as well, so much so that I had to stop because, Nikki, I was giving away like two coats a year that I made. I mean, like, because I was just making them because I liked making them so much. And it's like, Lisa, it's not that cold here. And it's way more cold here in Virginia than I know it is in Atlanta. So what do you do with all these coats, friend? Like, what, like, where do you, where are you going? Do you wear like a different coat? Like every Friday is just new coat day? Yeah. Um, because you know, it's not cold there. It's, it's not. It's hot and cold. And it's only cold for a little while, but it gets extremely cold. I have my mother's fur and I still wear that. Um, but I have, and when I say coat, it may be, it's an outer piece, but it may be a cardigan, it may be a lightweight this, it may be a heavy this or that. But yeah, I'll give them away. I'll do the same thing. I'll just give them away. Here's a coat. I may give it to my daughter, may give it to a friend. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I left a coat at a, a ex-boyfriend's house. <laughs> Oh, and I bugged him and bugged him. I would have been parked in the driveway. Like, look, as you, as we all know, I no longer want you, but I do want my coat. I want my coat, and I finally got it. Oh my so, gosh! Like, where's that coat? Oh coat. man! <laughs> now that is very funny. Um, so we, I want to just transition really quickly to talk about something else you've been making a lot of. Of, um, that is not out aware. Um, for those um, listening, we are recording um, in t- in April 2020, um, which is for us now the age of the coronavirus and a lot of measures of quarantining and a global pandemic. Um, hopefully, when people listen to this episode in 2021, this will be a thing of the past. But for where we are now, to mark our current moment, um, we are in an age where maybe three weeks ago, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, um, has issued a recommendation that everybody wear face masks in order to protect um, themselves from the virus. I could go on and on, and I will not, about how face masks are actually ineffective. However, they are necessary for medical professionals and to supplement the the personal protection of personal protective equipment that they are given in their clinical settings. And Nikki has done an absolutely tremendous job of these masks. I think that if you could think about two people on the total opposite spectrum of mask making, it would be her and me. Because <laughs> me, Lisa, does not like sewing masks. I find it joyless sewing. I find the whole problematic stuff about the social issues involved, the failed capitalism, the medical establishment that is choosing not to protect its workers, blah, blah, blah. But this is not my interview. This is Nikki's interview. And she is on the complete and opposite end of the spectrum for me on this question. So 
I want to just give you the opportunity to shock people um, by telling them how many masks you have made and or contributed to making in the um, Atlanta area. And that's through the larger group um, sewing masks for area hospitals that you're working with. So what was that number at the, you know, what's the current number for what you've been doing? The current number for the group sewing masks area hospitals is right at 25,000 may contribute it to area hospitals. Um, and every everyone that first started making masks, they did it because their friend, a nurse or a doctor, asked for their help. And it sounded like this. You sew, don't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's how, that's how it's I like, found it. What is, what is sewing? No. What is sewing? I don't know what that is. So that's, no. that's how the mask wave started. Yes, it was, uh, it started helping doctors and nurses, and then it went into response to the CDC's recommendation. Okay. Um, and the U.S. thinks they had a shortage of people in their workforce of people that sew. See, this is my little soapbox on it. We've been making masks for six weeks. I started, and I feel I, because of my leadership in my community, the sewing community that is, um, I have to be an example, share, and help cut through the noise. Because Mm -hmm. at the very beginning, that's all it was. We got to make masks. We got to make masks. We got to make masks. Social media groups were just popping up like crazy. And I couldn't mobilize myself until I could cut through the clutter and have some intention about it. So that was my approach. And I sat and I did research and I read and I talked to people, talked to nurses. I watched the news to get whatever I could from there, but you can imagine what that is. That's a whole nother podcast, right, Lisa? Indeed. <laughs> so after I was able to cut through the clutter, I was a, my message was do what you can. You have 100% cotton and you have a sewing machine. Find out where you can drop these masks off if you make a group. If you want to make them for your family and friends, go for it. But do what you can because you do have this talent. And that's the thing. The people that sew, no, we weren't a part of any workforce. We, we, the, the bulk of us do it because we enjoy it. It's an ancestral craft. And now the USC is like, wow. That's where the workers are in the U.S. We've been giving our work to China and Mexico. So anyway, (laughs) we don't have to get on that. Um, I think personally, um, I've sewn about 2,000 masks. Oh, my gosh. Personally. Oh, my gosh. Over weeks, right? That is so impressive. And, you know, part of me thinks, of, well, most of me thinks that's amazing. You know, you that this whole group has made 25,000 masks mm-hmm. and you have personally made 2,000. And I was like, why couldn't she make 2,015 and make the ones for my family so I have to make them? Because um, she's way more cheerful about it than I was. And I, and I, I mean, and even though I don't 
I don't want to, and I don't love doing it or even enjoy doing it very much. I am still making them. I made two for, you know, an elderly neighbor who called me in a panic. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, a few days ago. And it's like, well, how do you say no to the elderly neighbor who calls you in a panic? Right. You know, exactly. it's like, fine, you know, or my cousin, you know, who works for the UN and has two little kids. And I'm like, of course. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like these little tiny things are things that I can do. Um, and that, like you said, it's, I love this phrase you use though, ancestral craft. I absolutely love that. That is so beautiful. And to kind of think about transforming that into something for the public good does feel good. Mm -hmm. That absolutely does feel good. Um, even though there's a lot of other issues and tensions and feelings, uh, that's wrapped up in it. Um, and so, yeah, that's wonderful. So I want to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Atlanta sewing style. I love that project. I am so excited by it. Um, and you've done such great work. So stay tuned everybody. And we'll be back in a bit. at Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, we talk a lot about sewing. But if you want to see and not just hear about some of the things we've been discussing, feel free to join us on the socials. You can find us at Stitch Please on Facebook, and you can also find us on Instagram at Black Women Stitch. You can find photos of projects that we've been working on, really interesting social commentary and on Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time you can join Black Women Stitch for a live Instagram chat again that's every Thursday at 3 p.m. so find us on the socials follow up with us we are happy to hear your direct messages you can reach out to us at the Black Women Stitch page on Instagram and we'll help you get your stitch together are back and I am talking with Nikki G of Atlanta Sewing Style and of um, Sewing My Style and so many other projects. And this in this section of the podcast, we're going to talk about Atlanta Sewing Style. Um, like I said, this was one of the first introductions that I had to Nikki on Instagram was this gorgeous photo shoot of all these women in these absolutely beautiful outfits. Um, and so can you talk a bit about Atlanta sewing style? What made you start it? And what makes Atlanta such a unique location for people to have a sewing style? Or style in general. Yeah, it's, it, this is the coolest thing that exists in Atlanta, in this community. Before I was a sewist, or before I am a seamstress, sewist, whatever our word is, um, I love entertaining people. And so when I'm out, um, I instruct at Top Stitch, one of our local uh, sewing studios, and we have Sip and Sew on Wednesday nights. I, after doing that, I'm like, gosh, we got to do more. We've got this social media platform. We we know each other through pictures and hashtags. So, but when we came together, it was so much more. 
so I just I just kept thinking and brainstorming and I talked to the ladies that I already knew. It was like, what if we got together more formally? We make clothes, we take pictures, we talk about it. What if we got together more formally and did that together? Did it as a group. And sewing style is is my brand. Sewing my style is my handle throughout social media, but sewing style those two words, I always keep them together because that's what it is. You not only have a style, a fashion style of things that you buy, a handbag, a pair of shoes, you have a sewing style because you made it. Yes, right? yes, yes. It's more personal. It's more unique. It's more reflective of who you are. Absolutely, yes. absolutely. So it just became Atlanta sewing style and everyone loved it. So I created this social media platform and just started shouting out and it just it grew and grew and grew and grew and as you became um as you joined the group I just featured you on the page but then our signature event is a quarterly photo shoot Yes. Oh my goodness. Y'all have to go to their page on Instagram and see some of these photos. There's a lot of wonderful individual project photos on the, on the page, but the group one is really, oh my gosh, tell me more about that. Like, that's the thing that's just, it's so striking. Right. So there's a theme every, everyone, and this is our, we're going into our second year. Um, So we, we started with dresses because we got to make it easy. It's still just sewing. We still want people to be able to feel comfortable about participating. There's no skill level necessary to do anything with Atlanta sewing style. So we just come together. We have a professional photographer that we actually pay and he takes our photos. He takes group photos. He takes individual photos. The photos belong to the group. You can go into the drive, pull your personal photos out, do whatever you want to do with it. It's the same thing that we typically do. We're just doing it together. And man, we have so much fun. So the themes have been um, rock your style. That's another thing we do. Rock your own style. Come on, show up. Spring dresses. Um, We've done all white. We've done all Ankara. Um, Nice, nice. We've done denim, like jeans or denim or whatever, however your denim shows up. Um, we have kids in Atlanta sewing style. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> yes, yes. So they'll show up sometimes. Um, it just depends. So this year, again, with the social distance distancing being the the umbrella over our you know social activity in 2020, uh, we're going to kind of reinvent how we take group photos throughout throughout this year. And I'm already thinking of. I mean, it's not going to be a surprise, but I'm already thinking of how to illustrate social distancing in a fashion shoot. Oh, that is interesting. Yeah, Yeah, well, it does present, this time does present a lot of interesting challenges. Um, I was thinking so much about your community, um, and I was thinking about in particular because I have a friend who moved from Massachusetts to Atlanta, and she was like just a bit concerned about going to a new place. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be great. You're going to have so much fun because Atlanta sewing style is in Atlanta. It's going to be great. You're going to have a great place to land and to fit in because look at all. 
all this stuff that's available. And so it's such a wonderful resource and community um, that you've built. And looking at the photos, I love the denim photo shoot. Um, I love the the use of light and space, you know, which is something that a photographer can help you, you know, figure out, you know, that's, that's their job. Right. But it really does show the work in such a beautiful light um, that is completely worth celebrating. Right. And I also like how you say that the photos kind of belong to the group. And so if somebody, you know, wants to put like a professional photo on their Instagram, you know, like sometimes that can be difficult. Like professional photography is expensive. And so if you have a group that can do it and then provide that resource to you, that's another benefit. Mm-hmm. I'm always joking mm-hmm. that like when I die, my funeral program is going to have a picture of my driver's license because I'm not in any photographs. I'm always taking the photographs, you know, moms take photos of the kids, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I did get a tripod. So that really has helped me a lot. But, you know, I mean, it's nice to have like a professional um, documentation of the work that you're creating, because that just helps you to get more connected to um, your sense of style. And you get to kind of see how it looks through, you know, an objective an objective lens. And that's what I love about the professional photos that you've um, put together, though there's a good deal of editorial in it as well. I was thinking about the shoot from, was it October when you went to um, the Tyler Perry studios and it was with all the old tiny cars and stuff. That was uh, a commission for us. Um, A member, um, a member's husband, (laughs) of the 100 black men that was their project and because Tyler Perry Studios had just opened this was their first private event and it was Concours d'Elegance and they asked us to model beside the cars so we matched up we were matched up with a period car a 1962 Ford or uh, the Packards and, and the Bugattis all of these amazing cars and we made garments. Some of us rented them because it, that was easy also. Um, and you want to be as authentic as possible, right? Right, right. It was so, it was mad fun. We got so much attention off of that. And you talk about our professional photographers. These guys do such a good job. You know, professional photographers call us and ask to work with us. Nice. Yes. Yes. We that- have one. We have one that we, that we hire. But... Um, we could take our pick, really. Well, of course. I mean, have you seen you? I mean, <laughs> as it as it should be, as it should be, as we all aspire. Um, so that's really wonderful. And something that I do think, again, about, about the project is that Atlanta Sewing Style is also involved in so many other things mm-hmm. um, that, you know, I know you said that you had a few people who were like making masks, um, but there's other types of things that Atlanta Sewing Style does. Do you want to share a little bit about that? I think Project Sew, yeah. um, there's a, a branch of um, the Project Sew, which is from that Sew Monica and originated in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so she kind of expanded. And I think one of the first cities that she expanded to was Atlanta. And was that because of the connection to Atlanta sewing style, that, that she could know that there was a place that would be a good landing spot for that project? Absolutely. Monica, and it all started because Monica and I were friends. We had become friends through social media. And just me participating in her, her um, online platforms and her being a fan of mine, um, we, just, we, we just connected. So when she talked about 
you know, project so expanding, we were always just brainstorming. And so we started Project So in Atlanta. She came, launched it, and again, just looking at the brand and making sure it was copied from Dallas to Atlanta. It is mad fun. It's one of the events that Atlanta Sewing Style hosts, and that way we get new people. Because yes. very beginner, someone who's never heard of Atlanta Sewing Style, they'll see Project So come so all day from nine to four. And right. so that's one of the things. Uh, and I do want to mention after that, we now have Dallas Sewing Style and Philly Sewing Style. Hey, nice. And Cola Sewing Style, that's Columbia, Lexington, South Carolina. So the brand, the Sewing Style brand will continue to grow as well. That is amazing because it's such a great model. It yeah. really is. This, now I'm just like, ugh. <laughs> Who could I get to be in my Charlottesville sewing style? It's just yes, going to be me. Yes. No, no, no. We are not nearly as cool as Atlanta and Philadelphia and Dallas. It's so small. Oh, you know what, Lisa? It, it, the sewing style community, the brand, it's one of those things you build it and they do come. I suppose, but yeah, I'm bit, I got enough on my plate. You know, I think I'll let somebody else do that. I'll let somebody, you know, you know, you know, my mother always used to tell me, she always tells me, you know, Lisa, you don't have to do all the work. You should let some other people do some of the work. So I'm going to see, I'm hopefully there's some Charlottesville people listening to this podcast right now who are going to be so inspired that they are going to host. They're going to contact you about connecting to create Charlottesville sewing style. All I want is to show up for the photo shoots and get professional pictures. That's all I want. You know, so I'm just going to be straight mercenary about it. Um, yes, I will support your community insofar as I can get some pictures. Um, yeah. And so, no, but I think that's fantastic. Oh my gosh. And another thing that I really loved about what you did as well, you were so responsive to our current age that didn't you all do a project so online did you do a virtual one i think then i forgot what you called was it called something different or just like a yeah. subtitle or something no it was project so in the zoom sewing room maybe it was it was called zoom room or something yeah. I, thought, I think it was like a sewing zoom room i thought that was so clever um so and we our next one we didn't disturb our dates because our dates are already always laid in for the year and we do project so anyway in the zoom sewing room so our next one is, is this Saturday? Yeah, it's this Saturday. This is um, May 2nd, right? May 2nd, 2020. Oh my gosh. Can you believe it's almost May? I do not know how time works anymore. You know what scared me even more, Lisa? What's that? Mother's Day. Oh, that's not, that's not Sunday, is it? <laughs> no, not this Sunday. It's the next Sunday. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So I better. Th- oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. Times are wasting. So. Oh my goodness. That's right. Someone did say that Mother's Day was. I saw someone post about that. They're like, Mother's Day is in two weeks, and look, all y'all dads out there, the kids don't have school, so they're not making their handmade greeting cards. <laughs> so you better get creative and come up with an actual gift this year. Yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty funny. Put it in the mail. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's take another, just another quick break. Um, and when we come back, we can talk about your, um, your Facebook group. I mean, like I told y'all, this woman is a dynamo. I could talk to her for two hours. Um, but 
we are going to talk at our next break about the some of the in-person sewing teaching that you do mm-hmm. um, and how that has been translated to Facebook. So stay tuned, everybody. Hello, Stitchers. We have a limited edition opportunity for you to support the Stitch Please podcast and the Black Women's Stitch project as a whole and get some more fabric in your collection. These are mystery fabric boxes of fabrics that have been divided into woven and knit. There's boxes that that are stuffed with black and white fabrics. There's boxes of chevron fabrics. There's boxes of fabrics called, I think, adventure or nature or something like that. Um, And these are completely full of fabrics. These are medium flat rate USPS boxes that can be sent directly to you for $30 and that shipping is included. So if you're interested in building your stash or um, taking a chance on some really cool fabrics, let me know. You can DM me on Instagram at Black Women Stitch or you can send me an email at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com and we will send you a mystery box of very cool fabrics, $30 shipping and and insurance included. And that'll help you get your stitch together too. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. I am talking with Nikki G of Atlanta Sewing Style and more. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about um, some of the in-person teaching um, sewing instruction that you give. Um, as I was saying before, I have a friend that moved down to Atlanta and she took for her birthday present was to make a sloper with you. So can you talk about what a sloper is, what the benefits of having one made just for your personal body, um, how those are beneficial and how you got started on that as a form of teaching? Yeah, yeah, thank you. So I'm an instructor at Top Shit Studio. And we teach everything from beginner to advanced lessons. I also teach privately myself uh, for my own brand. And when you visit my website, you see the classes that I offer. And they're all private. The classes that I offer on my site are all private. And I did private lessons at Top Stitch. Unfortunately, we're going to have to reinvent all of that, particularly at Top Stitch, because it's a public space. It's a retail shop. And there's a bunch of people. We have anywhere from six to 10 people in a class. And teaching sewing is a very near experience. <laughs> so, you yeah. Those. Yeah. And teaching, one of the, I'll, I'll highlight the, the sloper. I, when, and, and back to when I first got started and I stopped, I stopped sewing, then I started sewing again. I, I didn't, the YouTube was like, bam, it just hit me in the face. I'm like, wow, look at the sewing community. And I knew I could, me starting again would be easy. So, okay, all I got to do is jump on, jump on this, uh, this train because it was moving fast. And just as I got into the community and knowing what people are wanting and everything, it was all about how do I make my own pattern? Because fit is just next to impossible with commercial patterns. It's, it's, you know, our bodies are all different. So That's right. I, you know, I tried my hand at all of the um, YouTube 
tutorials about how to make a sweater. They were all different and none of them worked. And then I, um, I said, well, I need to get my own instructor which is always, you know, continuing education is always valuable. So absolutely. Yeah, my lifelong instructor now is Kenneth King out of um, New York, a professor at FIT. And he is a delightful individual. And He's pretty cool. I took a bag making class with him years and years ago. Oh, wow. Yes. Yes. You know, he's still teaching bags because he designed his own sewing bag kit thing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I took a, a couple of classes with him and he now teaches me as an instructor because he knows what my goals are. And basically, Lisa, what it is, is teaching you how to make your own pattern. We take your actual measurements and create a muslin garment out of it from the shoulders all the way down to the hip. It zips up the back and they are your exact body measurements. And that's what's called a moulage. It's the French word for mold. So we're actually taking your actual body measurements and making this molded piece of fabric onto your body because they are your exact measurements. No matter how many curves you have, no matter how small your arms are, your shoulder, your waist, whatever, regardless of what your body looks like, you can make an actual pattern of your body. And then we take it and we create the, the common word is sloper. It's a bodice block. It's your actual bodice pattern. And it goes all the way down to the hip because at that point of the waist all the way down, that's a skirt. So, right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love this idea so much because for those of us who are trained in big four patterns as I was, it can be it can really like wreak havoc on your self-image to feel like you are somehow failing to measure up to a sewing pattern. And so I think that, you know, there's been a lot more work on size inclusivity in the last 10 years. There's been a lot more um, pressure from sewists onto the big four patterns to change and expand their size ranges. There has been fortunately a lot of pattern, independent pattern companies like Cashmerette, for example, that have risen up to meet the needs of sewists whose bodies aren't, you know, for whom the sewist for the sewist for whom their bodies mm-hmm. does not match the pattern right. because the pattern doesn't really match anybody. Right. right. That, People have to make all types of adjustment. It's designed for like a B cup. And if you don't have a B cup, then that's not going to fit you in the same mm-hmm. way. So you have to do a full bust adjustment and da 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 right. So once you've gone through all these steps for modifying a big four pattern, that same energy might have been used to, you know, to work with you to learn how to make a sloper or to make a moulage or something that's going to help, that's going to be your body, that's going to help you. Um, and it's going to make your sewing, it's like what you're saying about sewing your style, right? Absolutely. Like this is for your body. You hang it up on a rack and it's not going to fit anybody else in the same way that it fits you. And that's one, that's one, of, that's one of the things I completely love about the stuff that you teach. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and people are so happy when they see it for the first time, because as long as they've been sewing, when they put this moulage on and I zip it up, they've never seen a garment fit 
every part of their body before, regardless of their size or shape. The big four patterns and typical patterns, they are designed, the base of their design is a standard, they use the word standard, Huh. Five four, five foot four inch tall model uh, with a B cup bust line, and no booty, no and booty. no hips, no booty, and no weight. It's just like houseway. Like it's really like this is built for a person that's built like a straw, you yeah. know. And I'm not a straw, and so. It, and I think that there's so many ways to kind of to, to manage that. And that's what all the wonderful fitting books and stuff are for. But to kind of completely just step outside that um, by doing something with you to learn how to make this sloper that really fits. It's just, I don't know, it's just pretty amazing. And that way, I know people are, at least for myself, I'm often looking for, they call the TNT, the tried and true patterns. <laughs> so you can make it again and again. This is actually the real deal, original tried and true pattern. This is a thing that fits you. This is a thing that fits you and you alone because it is you and your body is unique. And I love how the sloper process you describe really honors that. And so that's pretty amazing. Um, let's transition to how you, how your Facebook group is working. Your Facebook group has 45,000 people in it. I guess you just don't do things that are small. That's just what I'm learning. You know, I make maybe 20 masks under all sorts of emotional duress, you make 2000, <laughs> you know, I, I have a small collective. You have a Facebook group with 45,000 people in it. Um, so let's, let's talk a bit about that. And then your sewing group is, um, it's sewing projects for beginners. Is that right? That's right. That's right. I, I, so what was missing? I'm always looking for what's missing. I'm a, I'm a salesperson at heart. So anything that, that I create will come out of, you know, my sales background. But I saw what was missing. There was sewing for beginners. There was just plain sewing. But there was, and Facebook groups are designed to just create a community. But what you, what's the next step? How can I engage with these people? So if I was always focusing on, sewing projects for beginners because beginners want to learn how to sew, but tell them exactly what to do. Here's a little thing that you can make, and this is how you make it. So that's what the group is for. And I encourage members of the group to share at the same level. Not all of them are do it, but you'll, you'll still get some that kind of get it. And the challenges are it's Facebook. There's algorithms there's rules, there's processes, and Facebook is a money-making entity, so you've got to follow their rules and everything. So now that I'm at this point, and hey, the quarantine is, is um, who I got to thank for it, the idea is how do I engage with these people? These people who have millions of questions on a daily basis. Now, everybody knows with Facebook groups, you've got a good percentage of bots in there and you've got some, you know, fake advertising going on. Um, even that has increased in the past eight weeks over March and April 2020. So um, having to figure out, okay, I'm not going to be teaching one to one for a while. I need to be able to monetize even helping uh, these people who want to learn how to make a mask or who want to learn how to make a dress because they just got a sewing machine. So we're going to start some virtual um, classes 
with these guys. And one day I went on and went live and just sat there and started answering questions. It's, it's always amazing. And I love teaching. So I think that comes from, I just, I, I love teaching and the more people I can, I can teach, you know, the better I feel about it. And so we've got some new and fresh ideas that we're going to do with, with this group. That's really, that's really exciting. And I like the idea of having this group. And I think that when you popped onto the live, just to say, let me just try to knock out some of these questions in person, instead of trying to write back to everybody or to, you know, to address these questions that are coming through in different threads, I will sit here for a couple hours or an hour, however long it was, you were on the Mm -hmm. Facebook live and answer questions. And I'm sure people were incredibly relieved. Someone recently contacted me because they had just got back into sewing and they were like, this pattern has two dots. And I don't understand what the two dots, what the two dots mean. And I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. So you know how this pattern is multi-sized. It's an extra small and a small in the same way you have these lines that are nested. These dots are also nested. So you don't have to worry about both dots. Just worry about the dot for the size you're cutting. And that person found that really helpful. And it wasn't, you know, it didn't take me long to, to do that, but I could imagine from your perspective, you've got all these thousands of people who might be generating hundreds of questions just like that. Um, and you know, if you can answer that on video and they can go back and look at it, that could be very reassuring. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always have to remember I was once a beginning sewist. There was a lot I didn't know. I, re- I think back, even when I see the question, I'm like, yeah, I remember when I learned that. <laughs> and they, t- and the thing is, you know how Facebook works or any social media platform, you could ask a question in a group that you really need the answer to. You're sitting at your sewing machine. You're not going to get that answer right away. That's right. right? That's right. So you got to wait. Like, okay, who's going to see it? Does my post have to be approved? Uh, Is the right person going to answer it? (laughs) And I only have 45 minutes left to sew this doggone thing. You know, hurry up and answer my question, people who know more about sewing than I do. You know I'm in a hurry. Again, so what's the next step for that? How can we get these questions answered sooner? And um, so that that worked. It, It worked. If more people engage, of course, I, I would need help for to get other people to answer the questions. But um, and then I think the um, the bandwidth kind of slows things down. Also, you'll I'll see new questions after I hang up. So it, right, you, right, yeah, you got to deal with all of that. But um, I've got some solutions for what's next after just going live. On, um, I mean, Jada Pinkett Smith figured it out. I figure I can figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's great, and that, and that through you, like in the same way that she figured it out, and you are figuring it out. This is helpful for other people to figure things out too. Right. And so I think that you're being a teacher and a model. So that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the Facebook Live sewing. Like, what okay. is that going to be about? I'm excited. I hear it's going to be starting tomorrow. Yeah. Like, what? Right. Say, say more, please. Okay, so, uh, um, well, you know this, Lisa. It probably happens to you also. When you're in the middle of the night, the answer comes to you. This was that. And what if I could hang out in a sewing room online 
and get all my questions answered while I'm sewing? What if I could engage with people live in that moment and so listen to others, have a drink, <laughs> have a cocktail? That's right. Um, because we've been doing that anyway. All of March and April, we have been getting together, sewing, and hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. So, sewing Lessons Live is just that. Weekly, uh, we are going to open up. And, and you know what? Let me not say weekly. Let me take that back. Regularly, the sewing Smart. Room, Smart. Yeah. The, the live sewing room is going to open for you to just come in and hang. You can get your questions answered. You can get guidance. Um, every now and then, we'll have a project that we're all working on. So maybe at the beginning of the month, say, okay, we're going to work on this project. It may take two weeks. It may take three weeks. It may take the whole month, just depending on who's working on what. But regardless of the any project, you can always pop in, get your questions answered. Hey, I'm working on something, and I knew you, know, you guys were here. Can anybody help me with this? Um, we're going to start that. Tomorrow, it, the 30th, we are... Uh, exclusive for the Facebook group. And then the big announcement is we are going to open the Sewing Lessons Live for the public. And it's free. And you can come in anytime. I'll put it on a, on a calendar and the Facebook page will show the dates. And if we work on something specific, we'll we'll put that there. But it's for anyone and everyone, but mainly beginner sewists because we'll keep, we'll, you know, we'll keep the conversation at that level. And if we work on any projects, there'll be projects that beginners can really just, you know, um, get started in. That's that's really fantastic. It's a really generous opportunity, um, and it it's kind of taking some of your individual personal sewing instruction to a larger, even global level, because I'm pretty sure you have people in the group that are from all over the world, and that's one of the reasons that you probably get questions in the middle of the night, because yeah. someone is, you know, maybe writing in from, you know, somewhere in Nigeria or somewhere in Turkey or something like, you know, some people are writing from all over, and so many different time zones. Um, and so that's pretty great to, to think about how you can, um, meet those needs and meet those questions. That's really exciting. So it's going to start tomorrow, which is Thursday. So if you all are in the, um, in Nikki's group, which is called Sewing Projects for Beginners, you will have access to these and there'll be lots of information there. And if you are not in that group, why are you not? You could sign up um, or you could just wait a week. Um, and then next week it'll be available for everybody to pop in. So um, I think that's really, that's really great. Well, Nikki, this has been so wonderful to talk with you. So can you, before we go, can you just tell us where we can find you on social media? I know you have probably an entire paragraph <laughs> of um, places where people can find you. <laughs> well, start with my website because that's where, you know, everything about me is and you can, you can get to know everything. And all of my, the, the brand is Sewing My Style. So Instagram is Sewing My Style. I also have uh, the Atlanta Sewing Style page is on Instagram, Atlanta Sewing Style. And I have a, another Instagram page, Sewing for Beginners. Obviously, it, you know, it plays into my instruction. On Facebook, it's the same, 
Sewing My Style is my personal page, and Atlanta Sewing Style has a page. And then the Facebook group, um, Sewing Lessons, I mean, um, Sewing Lessons Live is the page, <laughs> and then Sewing Projects for Beginners. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm on Twitter, not that that active, so nothing's really there. But um, yeah, you can find every you can find everything on my website, sewingmystyle.com. And I've been talking with Nikki G of Sewing My Style and Atlanta Sewing Style and soon um, Facebook Live Sewing Lessons. There's so much she's doing. Thank you so much for being with us today, Nikki. We are so appreciative. Thank you, Lisa. This is wonderful. I've always listened to your podcast. Never even had a thought that maybe I would be on it one day, but I, I feel so privileged and this was fun. You're fun. It's awesome, right? We had a good time. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women's Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. There are a variety of ways that you can support the program, and you're doing it right now. By listening, to the pro- by listening to the podcast, it does help us grow. Another way to do that is to rate the podcast, review it, subscribe to it. All of these things are ways that you can support the podcast without having to spend any money at all. If you would like to spend some money to support us, there are ways to do that as well. You can make direct donations to our Patreon site for monthly contributions, as well as one-time contributions to PayPal, Cash App, or Venmo. And finally, we have another cute, very adorable way for you to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. It's a pin, a P-I-N enamel lapel pin that's very cute. It's about two inches wide and one and a half inch tall, and it's of the Black Women's Stitch logo. And that is $15 with free shipping to the U.S. And so if you drop $15 in the PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App accounts, and then send me your email, no, not email, if you send me your mailing address to my email, either at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com or you send me a direct message on the Black Women's Stitch Instagram page, we will put the pin in the mail to you. Um, Again, free shipping, $15 for the pin, and all of this goes to support the Black Women's Stitch Project. Thank you again for joining us this week. Come back next week and we will help you get your stitch together.